0: Today on the podcast, law firms with business in Russia, and the agonizing decisions they're now faced with. Do they drop their clients? Can they even drop their clients? And what will people think of them if they don't? Hello, you're listening to On the Merits, the weekly legal news podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. Since Russia invaded its neighbor Ukraine on February 24th, the world's attention has not been on how this conflict is affecting attorneys. Nor should it be. The legal industry is not the top concern during a war that has already killed thousands of people and threatens the sovereignty of an entire nation. But this war does affect the legal industry a lot. And that's what we're going to talk about today with Bloomberg Law Editor Chris Opfer. Chris and his team have been tracking the fast-moving developments big law firms have taken in the past few weeks in response to Russia's invasion and the subsequent sanctions. And he says these moves reflect a new reality for big law, that reputational risk is something these firms are taking much more seriously than they used to. And we'll get to that in a bit. But before we talk about the firms operating in Russia and the tough choices they face, I wanted to talk to Chris about the firms that work in Ukraine itself and how they're keeping their people safe.
1: Well, it's not entirely clear. So we spoke to two large firms. These are global international firms with offices on the ground in Ukraine. That's Denton's and Baker McKenzie. And in the hours after the invasion began, both of those firms said, we're closing up shop temporarily and we're going to help people get out of here as much as we can. Uh, But they've been vague on how they're doing that who's getting out and who's staying. And I think that's clearly because of uh, concerns about sharing too much information in a way that might impact their, their people's health and safety. Um, what we do know is that uh, probably not everybody can leave because if you're a man between the ages of 18 and 60, you are not allowed to leave and you've been conscripted to uh, help fight. And so uh, not everybody's gonna be leaving. Um, what we did hear from somebody on the ground who helps companies uh, and was helping companies, although not these two law firms, uh, get people out, uh, was that in the early days, the Russian military was not targeting citizens uh, and evacuees. Uh, obviously, some of the reporting and some of the stuff that we've seen shows that maybe that situation has changed. It's becoming more treacherous for people trying to get out of the country. And so it's really unclear, um, you know, whether they've been able to successfully get folks out um, and how long they'll be gone, whether they'll ever return.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's that's one of the things that that story highlighted is it's such an agonizing decision, because like, even if you're not someone who is legally required to stay in Ukraine because you've been conscripted, you still have to decide, like, I have to leave my family. And, you know, do I bring my family with me? How do I do that? And even for lawyers
1: who are really good at red tape and paperwork and all of those things, you know, the, the hurdles for getting yourself and family out and where do you go? What if you don't have the right documentation, who's going to take you? all of those things just add to the the headaches that not only lawyers but obviously everybody else over there is dealing with.
0: Well, let's move from uh, personal safety to uh, you know the business side of things. Uh, we've seen a lot of firms announce very publicly that they are dropping their uh, Russian clients, firms who, who work with with businesses and individuals in Russia. Can you talk a little bit about this, which firms are doing this and why? So there's sort of two
1: flavors of this. Number one is uh, firms, questions about firms that are representing uh, Russian companies and oligarchs who are on the sanctions list, either in the U.S., the U.K., or the E.U., and then firms that have physical offices in Russia and, and lawyers who are Russian and employed there. So on the first side, um, the folks who are representing banks, we're seeing sort of uh, a couple of different approaches here. Uh, some are saying, we're out of here. Uh, that's enough for us. Uh, we'll see you later. We're, we're not gonna work for these companies anymore. Uh, some are standing by the companies and some are saying we're reviewing. Um, And a good example of that actually is VTB Bank, which is a state-owned Russian bank, uh, which is on the sanctions list in the U.S. uh, and perhaps elsewhere. Um, And you've seen firms do a couple of different things there. So immediately, right when the sanctions hit, uh, almost right after that, we heard two firms, Sidley Austin and Venable said, we're done here. We're no longer representing this company Um, And both of those firms had lobbied uh, the federal government in the U.S. on behalf of VTB Bank. Uh, Then there's a handful of firms that have done business and transactional work for for VTB Bank who have said, we're monitoring, we'll get back to you. Uh, But rest assured, we'll uh, comply with any any and all sanctions and make sure we're doing the right thing. Um, And then until recently, Freshfields, um, which is this huge U.K. firm, one of the biggest was standing by VTB bank and a lawyer for Freshfields went into court uh, last week and said, you know, we don't drop clients and lawyers represent clients. That's why we're here. And we're going to continue doing that. Uh, Fast forward a couple of days later and they said, by the way, we've changed our mind and uh, we're not going to be representing VTB or, or anyone else on the sanctions list going forward.
0: So, you know, There are a lot of reasons why a firm might drop a a client um, that's associated with Russia right now. Uh, There may be altruistic reasons. Uh, There may be reasons that they're worried about reputational risk. Um, But there could also be, you know, as you mentioned, there are some of their clients are on the sanctions list, which means they'd be legally prohibited from working with these clients. And then there is the possibility that they might just be worried that these clients can no longer afford to pay the firm because of the... you know, what's going on with the currency in Russia. Which of these factors is most important in driving these firms to do what they're doing right now? Well, it's certainly all of the above, but you
1: can see how the analysis changes. It's one thing to stand by a client that has no problem paying its bills. And it's another thing to take the reputational hit while also being uncertain about whether you're going to get paid in the end. Um, And when you see the latter situation um, occurring, which obviously is what's happening here, then you know it makes a lot of sense why firms would walk away, why take the hit, uh, you know, for for little in terms of reward. What I would say is that it's easier for some firms than others to walk away. So the two that did it immediately, Sidley and Venable filed um, notices with, with Congress saying we're no longer lobbyists. And, and that was the end of it. Firms that do business transactions, M&A, private equity, those types of things, they can also back out unless they're in the middle of a deal. No problem. If you're representing a company in court, it's a little bit different, particularly in the U.S. And Because usually you have to get a judge to approve that. And the judge uh, is going to look at whether or not Uh, This is going to be harmful to the client. And can someone else step in? And it's unclear whether anyone else is going to be uh, happy to step in for a Russian-sanctioned bank right now in court.
0: One of the things that these firms might be thinking about is if they have offices and they have operations in Russia, that if they drop certain clients, their employees might be retaliated against by the Russian state. Could you talk a little bit about that? That seems like something that makes everything so much more complicated.
1: Absolutely. There are several major law firms that have offices in Moscow, St. Petersburg, or both. And those offices, by and large, are filled with Russian national attorneys. And there's obviously, you know, reading the reports about what happens to people who speak out, um, oftentimes about what's going on over there, you could see why there is a lot of uh, nervousness probably by the folks who are uh, making the, those decisions. And you could see why even a firm that says, yeah, it's time for us to get out of here may want to find some sort of exit ramp for their staff um, before they make that public that they're doing that.
0: Let's now move on to the the saga of Norton Rose. Uh, I don't want to call it a fiasco because I don't know if that would to be totally fair, but Let's talk about what happened there. Um, can you talk about this memo that the firm sent to its its employees and then the reaction to that and then the firm's reaction to the reaction?
1: Yeah, this was sort of a PR disaster for Norton Rose of their own making. Uh basically once the um invasion got underway and all of these questions that we're talking about came bubbling up and, and they were getting asked about it not only by us but but by other outlets and their attorneys were getting media requests to just talk about, um, you know, what's going on and what's the impact on their clients. Because of course, as a major global firm, they've got a lot of attorneys that work in trade and and work in Europe and 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 could talk at length and and expansively about the impact uh, globally. And and what happened was is uh, one of the firm's leader put out a uh, basically a um, hush order telling everyone at the firm. We're not going to talk about this. Do not talk about sanctions. End of story. That got leaked inevitably, as uh, things often do. Um, and there was a bit of a firestorm from a lot of people. Who were saying, "What's what are we doing here?" Um, in addition to you know the questions about why are you still doing why are you still operating uh, in Russia? Um, also, what's what's up with this gag order? They turned that around pretty quickly. First, the firm uh, t- said, "You know, we never issued a gag order." Uh, our colleague, uh, Vivia Chen, obviously um, sort of debunked that. She had a really nice column going into detail about that. And, and she got her hands on the, the original memo itself, uh, which is a very, um, there's a Latin phrase that lawyers like to use, "Race ipsa which means uh, the thing speaks for itself. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you look at the memo and I don't see how it could be read. Otherwise, um, but anyway, the the firm did backtrack on that.
0: And I think that's another detail to note here is that unlike other sanctions that have been imposed on other countries, there is no lead time here. These sanctions went into effect immediately, and they were really strong. Right. And so immediately the firms are scrambling not only to look at, okay, who's on
1: the sanctions list, but what do they mean for us? Can we legally continue to represent these companies? Uh, And how does that vary in the UK, the EU and the US? And that was a difficult question for a lot of them to answer. Um, But I think it also speaks to that firms have been moving this rapidly publicly, speaks to a shift that we've seen in the legal industry, which is that firms are much more in recent years, cognizant of their reputation um, and public criticism over who they represent and how they represent them totally different situation but you saw this with respect to former president trump and january 6 and the Capitol riots very often law firms are you know go go to great lengths to say we are apolitical we represent clients doesn't mean that we agree with anything or everything that our clients are doing or saying and we have seen that change pretty dramatically um, Firms just scattering like cockroaches when the light comes on, when um, they started to get uh, criticism about representing Trump or people in Trump's orbit. Um, and even more so after January 6th, a couple of major firms calling on Mike Pence to remove, um, to use the constitutional tools at his disposal to have uh, Trump removed. Um, and, you know, it's a very different situation, but it is it is a new phenomenon for firms who are much more concerned about their public, uh, the way that
0: they are perceived publicly. That's a really good point. Uh, finally, you kind of touched on this earlier a little bit, but I want to expand on this, that I think this is going to be harder for some firms more than others as, as this goes on. And what are the types of firms that could really, really get hurt by this. I imagine that the firms that do a lot of work in the energy sector would really feel a lot of pain if, if you know, Russia becomes sort of persona non grata for, for years at a time.
1: Energy for sure. And that's the first one that comes to mind for me too. But you could also see, you know, a bump for some firms, uh, Texas-based oil and gas firms. If there is this push to get more American uh, energy out there, um, you could see that being a real, at least temporary, boon for them. Um, I think the big one, the elephant in the room here, and people don't want to talk about it too much yet because it's early and because there are more important things like, you know, folks are facing life and death situations over there, um, but it's the impact on the global MA market. Um, and the reason that that's important is that the M&A market has broken records the last two years in a row. Firms are making more money than ever before off of that. Uh, Lawyers at those firms are making more money than ever before off of that. And we're seeing it trickle down in all, all types of interesting and unique ways throughout the legal industry. And the question has been obviously, you know, the good times can't last forever. What happens when the bottom falls out? And, you know, everything that we were hearing coming into this year was that there was no end in sight you know short term in terms of uh the hunger for these types of deals and the money out there uh changing hands but obviously no one i don't think was expecting that uh there would be a russian invasion of ukraine
0: i hadn't even thought about that so you you mean just the the idea that um that uh, companies that would have been acquisition targets who are based out of russia are now off the table?
1: Yeah, I think so. And even like, um, you know, a secondary effect, like does that just cool the market generally? Companies just don't like uncertainty. Uh, we hear that all the time. And like whenever they there is uncertainty, you know, there's a move to hunker down by a lot of them, right? And does that slow activity? I mean, on the other hand, you could argue that maybe it speeds up activity. People are saying, we've got money, we're trying to do deals, let's get these things done before we can't, or it gets worse or more
0: expensive. Um, So we'll just have to see. That was Bloomberg Law editor Chris Opfer speaking with me on Monday, March 7th. And that's it for today's episode of On the Merits. It was produced by myself, David Schultz. Our editors are Cheryl Sines and Andrew Satter, and our executive producer is Josh Block. Reach out to us on Twitter if you have anything on your mind. We use the handle at Blaw. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. You don't need to be a judge to be interested in our nation's laws and legal institutions, just like you don't need to have a law degree to be curious about the inner workings of courts, law firms, and law schools. That's where we come in. My name's Adam Allington, and I'm the host of Uncommon Law, a podcast from the Bloomberg Industry Group. Uncommon Law is where public policy, storytelling, and the law are combined. We explore big topics ranging from tech policy to free speech to race and gender diversity. So please give us a listen. You can subscribe and download today. Just search for Uncommon Law wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much.